Welcome to Soulful 7. And I'm sorry I have not been here. It's because of the pandemic. It's been almost two years since we have filmed a Soulful 7 podcast. Oh my gosh. But I'm bringing it back in a major big way. This is my beacon, my mentor, my friend. This is Becca Stevens. Um, I sat around, Becca, last night with the kids, and we made a list of all of our connections to you. Okay, so are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so you are the reason that I went to Vanderbilt Divinity School. Oh. Do you remember? So I came yes. from New York, and you walked me through the campus, yes. and that's the reason. And I'm having kind of a full circle moment because literally in one week, I will graduate. So do you know oh. that I've been in for that long? No. Thank you, Vanderbilt, for keeping me, but it's taken me this long to complete it. But it's a full circle moment because I'm completing it in one week. Is that amazing? That is beautiful. Oh, no. Okay, so. Here's the truth, though, honestly, is I probably don't remember the details because, I mean, imagine you, whatever, 18 years ago, just yeah. you were so young and just full heart on, just full and beautiful. And it's just like, you know, I mean, I fell in love with you instantly. <laughs> Well, I, um, well, of course I fell in love with you, but I also, I'll never forget it. So, so I was kind of, it was a watershed moment for me. So I just moved from New York City. Um, we had just done a year of treatment for Charlie for his cancer. And someone had said, Farrell, I think you'd really love to come here to this chapel, which I cannot believe I have not been in this chapel, I swear, in 17 years. Because you moved to Benton, and, and so I just haven't been in here. So I, I walked in here, and I thought, oh, my gosh, it, like all the memories flooded back. And you're probably not going to remember this, but I remember it so wholeheartedly. So you said, bring, yeah, bring your child to church. And so it was maybe like the third service we came to, and you held Charlie, and you preached your entire sermon. Do you remember that? Oh, no. You literally stood right there and you held him in your arms and preached the entire sermon i'll never forget it well i loved him okay so then okay. you have baptized every single one of my children that's what bell reminded me last night she said well mom she's baptized all of us whoops i think i just hit my mic um so you did three in our yard yeah i remember that and all my kids had matching and outfits all your kids i dealt that they did not have matching yes, outfits i, have I do a not photo. Okay. They have a photo. It's the only time in our entire family history. Somehow, I think we went to Walmart on the way over to your house, <laughs> and they all have these plaid short sleeve shirts, and they're sitting in picnic chairs, and they have yeah. these boxes of food that you had like a picnic box oh, yeah, that my had dad pink, did that. Yeah, pink ribbons, ribbons on them, yeah. and they have pink ribbons and plaid shirts sitting in the chairs going like this. Well, and then we had your dreamy <laughs> husband sing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. It was come the best. On. Okay, and then I just, when I was walking around before you got here, we're on the wall with the last three. So I call them the little family. But you baptized Rose, Percy, and Finn in the river. Mm. That's so my I have all thing. the pictures. I know. I love it, Becca. I love it. The river okay. is my favorite. Okay. So I performed my first healing service in your living room, and we all sat on the floor. And it was the first time I used oils, and I anointed everybody and covered them in oils. And that was probably like 17, 16 years ago. Um, okay, so you baptize all my kids. What else? I don't know. I feel like, uh, and you won't know this, but I've been doing ministry now for 13 years. I would credit you for the reason that I even thought I could be in a church and work in a church. But many times over the last 13 years, I've had to do really difficult things. And I can remember one in particular. I was sitting in my car outside of a house where a suicide had just taken place. And I was like, there's just no way I can go in and do this right now. And I said, you know what? Becca would do it. She wouldn't even blink. She'd go right in there through the front door with her heart. And she would do it. And so I took off my seatbelt and went right in. And I've done that like multiple times, Becca. Like, I know Becca could do it. I can do it. Absolutely. I mean, I love that. I love that we all just encourage each other and think, okay, well, if Farrell can do it, I can do it. Or whoever can do it, I can do it. Like, we can do hard things. We can do really beautiful, kind things because we know we would want people to do that for us. We would want somebody to be brave enough to walk into our house when tragedy hits. Yes, I know. Well, I feel that, um, which is why I'm still doing that, because I feel like there always has to be someone that's willing to knock on the door and walk in. I feel like you do that like 
in spades all over the place. We just had it happen. I mean, it's like the reason I'm kind of getting beclamped is that a friend of Marcus's just had a son who died and um, he was 21 years old and died. And Marcus was like, I don't know what I can do. I don't know what I can say. And I was like, it doesn't matter. He's not going to remember. Right. He's not going to even remember. Just you just have call to call up. Him. Yeah. I mean, just call him right now and just say I love you. And now, about three weeks ago, it happened, and they've been going out to breakfast at this little place every week. And he just listens, and he goes, "I'm so glad I called," because yeah. it's like you don't have to have the right answer, and God don't try to have an answer. But I love that you're doing that and you're doing that for this whole community that you're stepping up to do that. That's beautiful. Well, and I, I mean, I've read every single one of your books up and down. They're on my bookshelf. I mean, I, I pull them out all the time. In my pocket cathedral, I quoted you mm. before one of my prayers. I mean, all of your stuff. This one, though, this is your new book, Practically Divine. And I just feel like it, it just hit my heart at the right time and in the right place. And I think that's how everybody else is going to feel. Oh, I hope so. Coming off of, um, you know, the 21 months of the pandemic and um, all of us really, you know, for the first time for some, but, you know, for others, just really seeing the fragility of life, the fragility of our bodies, um, how the future is really unpredictable and unknown. And so this idea of the practically divine. Okay, I want you to know I read it through in the bathtub um, the first time. And then the second time I put my like thinking cap on like I was at Vanderbilt Divinity School. And so when you see, I mean, honey, I, I have this book I could make an A plus on. Oh my gosh, oh, yeah. I need I've got this book and I love it. And and so I have purposely pulled out quotes that I think are really meaningful because I want people to buy the book and see that it will touch them. And in some way, every single chapter will touch them. So I'm gonna start with the premise of practically divine, which I love, because I, I, I just the idea of saying, Becca, you're practically divine. I just think that's the most beautiful thing. You're okay. practically divine. And so in this way, that's my theology. I feel like, you know, that we are this flesh and bone, but we carry within us the soul of God, the flicker of God, the DNA of God. And so I love this idea of we're practically divine. I love that. It's just such a beautiful way of, especially if you're feeling the fragility of your, your body or your spirit, to just hold on to that idea that, I'm practically divine. I love that. Which means close enough and almost. And almost, which you say in the last, yes. you know, one of the last pages of the book, you, you <laughs> say that. that um, but I also, you, you talk about practically divine in the sense of I'm practically divine, you're practically divine. But then you also talk about that we can have these practically divine moments or experiences in our life. And... Um, I, you know, it's kind of like what the mystics, the thin places, or where you feel like heaven breaks through a little bit, and you have this moment that really does feel practically divine. I love that. Thank Do you, you want to speak about it? Well, I had one of those moments yesterday. Oh, tell Do me. You, so it was really, it was kind of funny because I was like, you forget that you can't prepare for them. Mm -hmm. There, they, you know, there's surprises and there's moments where you just go, oh. So I had this feeling, it was just turning December yesterday, and I was like, I don't want to decorate for Christmas. I had this, like, I'm done with Christmas. Oh, like, I'll come decorate for you. But no, but I was like, I've done it for so long. And one of my kids is going to be at his girlfriend's house for Christmas, and I'm like, maybe instead of, maybe I just won't do it this year. I'll just keep those boxes that I've had forever that I unpack and pack. Just keep them away for one year. And until somebody says something to me, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to be the one instigating the tree. I'm not going to hang anything. I'm not going to do anything. And I was like, am I being by humbug or am I just not interested? I just don't have any energy for it. And I wrote about it. I felt so strongly. I wrote a whole piece on it that I was going to put out, um, you know, to my email list blog thing. I get out of my bathtub where I write, I hate to say, so I don't want you to have visual, but that's where I write. And Which we're going to talk about. I can't even imagine. But. And I get out of the bathtub, get ready for work, go out the front door, and Lissa Smith has dropped off a Christmas wreath with a big old bow on it saying, 
my her son is in um, Boy Scouts and they're gonna sell Christmas wreaths for Christmas and I'm like, oh my gosh, when I didn't feel like I could ever do it someone this year, someone you. did it. Like I it was done. Them. It was like, I have a Christmas wreath on my door. I don't look like Scrooge. It was just beautiful. And Lisa is an old friend, but we don't see each other very often. And the idea that for some reason, our family came into our head that we might need a Christmas wreath this year. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love those, those little nudges. The idea that, you know, someone will push you, push you into a place of grace or light or love or healing. Um, you say, when I was able to recognize divine love present through it all, is how you understood what it meant for practically divine. Mm-hmm. Oh. That is, I mean, that is what I do think, is when we are graced with the eyes to feel it and to see it, it's so around us all the time. It's right here. And it's like, are we brave enough to see it? Are we open enough to see it? Are we present enough? to see it. That's the thing is there's so, I mean, God, especially, you know, you think about just right now while we're talking, there's emails coming in. There's people trying to, you know, ask for your time. Giving Tuesday, I thought I was asked a thousand times to give. I don't know if you were too. Oh my gosh. Across every board, everything, shape and form, I everything. Know. And it was like, <clears throat> how can you just say, okay, just stop and be with whoever you're with and say, hello, you know, and then say, you are beautiful. We are in a moment, and I want to experience something, anything, you know? Well, and I think that I'm guilty of, of missing divine moments or missing those sacred moments because I, you know, with six kids and writing and work, I'm kind of on the train, and the train's moving fast. Yeah. And so sometimes I feel like my life is a blur, and I have to, like, check myself. And, and you know, it, it is. It's like... You have to be open to seeing it and want to see it. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You have to want to see it. Mm-hmm. You want to see. You have to want to see something beautiful, some gesture of kindness, some sign of hope. Um, but you can also live your entire life and not be looking for the sacred. Exactly. Right. And that's so. That feels very poor to me. It feels like a poor quality of life. It. It is a poor quality of life. Yeah. I need to be jerked by the collar more. Right? I think so. And I also think it's like, I mean, there is plenty, plenty of anger out there. There's plenty of stress. There's plenty of cynicism. There's plenty um, of people who are so indignant over whatever Mm -hmm. that you think, you know, I don't even want to engage. But if you can step into be the bravest person and say, speak love into that, or speak a word of peace into that. You know, it changes things. It's it powerful. It does things. Oh, listen, I, like when I, I take the three little kids to school in the morning, and I say that. I, we say a prayer before they get out of the car, and I just say, I hope someone crosses your path that's kind to you today, but I hope somebody crosses your path that you are kind to today. And I always say, just like the day counts if you've done some gesture of kindness for someone else. Mm-hmm. Like change their day in some way. Then you can say, you know what, this day counted. Same for me, though, you know, mm-hmm. that I have to do that, too. Um, okay, so I feel like I've come to the, ca- to the fount of, you know, wisdom and, and counseling. <laughs> Just fill me up, Becca. Okay. Um, but I, I feel like I'm not alone in saying that we've had, you know, almost two years of, you know, a lot of loss, a lot of suffering, a lot of feeling like we're walking on eggshells, a lot of fear. Um, I have a really dear friend, Tolu Skylar Quinn, right now, yeah. who I'm walking a really hard road with, and um, was over there yesterday. And she had oh. gone and gotten her chemo for the for she goes every two weeks, and had a really terrible headache. And you know, she just is such a light in my life, and to see her suffering so really makes me hurt. You know, I carry that around with me yesterday. Um, and I know you know who this person is, but I really um, like Marcus Borg. Mm-hmm. And I went to hear him speak a couple of years ago. He has since passed, and he actually he passed away suddenly after we even saw each other. And I just went up to him afterwards, and I said, you know, I, I'm really having a hard time with why there's so much suffering here. It, it, I really take it into every cell of my being, 
and it hurts me to see so many people hurting. And I, as a pastoral minister, it's, you know, I just, I'm having a hard time with why, you know, people do have to suffer so much under heaven's realm. And he did not even blink. And he just recited from memory this poem by Denise Levertoff, which I'm sure you know, but it's the avowal, which, which after he did, I was like, what does avowal mean? But avowal is an affirmation of truth. And so I'm going to read, I'm going to see if this touches you kind of as it touched me. As swimmers dare to lie face to the sky and water bears them, as hawks rest upon the air and air sustains them, so would I learn to attain free fall and float into creator spirit's deep embrace, knowing no effort earns that all surrounding grace. In your book, you say, in the face of suffering, we still hope and we still love. And I'm just curious, you personally have suffered a lot of loss. Your mom, your dad, your sister, um, and many people that you've worked with and many people that you've loved and, and invested your heart and just even in our community and, and anybody that you've touched all around the world because now you're everywhere. Um, how do you like keep bouncing back? Like, how do you still hope and still love in the face of suffering? Um, by the way, I love that piece of poetry. Oh, it's beautiful. It. It's beautiful. And I think that there's not, you know, there's not a key to how one lives or moves, but one, I would, this is kind of what I think. I think sometimes it's easier for people to say, I'm pursuing peace rather than I'm proclaiming peace. Okay. Like I'm seeking peace, but I'm not peaceful. But what if you started with, I am peaceful. I'm not living into the truth of that. But I am, a peace, I am peaceful because that is how I was made. Sometimes I think all this stuff about you're not seeking hope. You are hopeful. It's like a memory problem. We forget we are hopeful people. We forget we are peaceful people. And so what I think is sometimes we have to remember I mean, you just look up in the sky and you remember the stars, you know, this amazing universe that we're in and that we're a part of, and we have that same dust in our veins. We are hope. We are light. We are peaceful. And so even when sometimes we don't feel that and we are grieving, which is just the cost of loving people, that's, I mean, it means I've loved really well. If I grieve you, I loved you, mm -hmm. which is beautiful. That doesn't mean I'm not hopeful. It doesn't mean I'm not peaceful. It means I'm grieving, which means I'm still a loving person. So to me, being in really hard situations doesn't change the essence of my being. So we have to remember who we are. We have to remember who we are like, and say it to ourselves too. It's like, I am deeply troubled. I am deeply scared. I am deeply grieving, but I'm still who I am, and I'm still whose I am, and oh, I'm still whose I am, and that's how I'm going to live in this world. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't always do that really well. I mean, I will crawl up on a couch and watch an episode of whatever mm -hmm. and numb out sometimes, but I do think I don't want to forget that stuff. Yeah, I'm going to talk about hope later, but I always, you know, someone asked me one time, what, what is your greatest fear? And besides, you know, losing David or, or my parents or my children, it's this idea that I would lose hope. Mm. You know, that to me, that is like at the deep, dark bottom that I would actually, because I so want to give people hope and give them that reason to put that next foot forward. And so I pray often, please don't let me lose hope, right? Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to, but for you to say but that's who you are, it's like that didn't, that didn't change it. So I just got to remember that. Yeah. Just say who I am. Say who you are. Yeah, I love that. And I think we put all this pressure on each other to be, um, like you have to be inspired to do this work. You have to keep being inspired all the time. And that puts a lot of unnecessary pressure on it. The way, you know, I've been thinking about it lately is just, you know, God bless all the farmers, the dairy farmers, and no one bothers them to say, you know, are you inspired today to go milk the cow? Mm -hmm. They just say, well, 
the teats are full, so I'm going to go milk the cow. Right. <laughs> it's a necessity. Yeah. And so we're doing this because this is our work to love. Right. And so you don't have to be inspired. You don't have to say, you know, wow, I just really want to go do this. It's like, no, I do this because that is the work. And inspiration will come and hope will come. Mm -hmm. You know, those beautiful muses come in and out. But like, we are who we are. And we do this work, all of us because we are loving people and kind people and we desire for our life to have meaning and purpose. That's what we do. And you don't have to worry, the rest is gonna go away. Maybe right now in our current climate of the world that we live in right now, which does feel a bit mean, mm -hmm. a bit hard, mm -hmm. um, not very holy, too secular, um, Maybe that is what we need, like a mass remembering of who we are. Yes. Gosh darn it. We need to like just say, you're not a Republican or a Democrat. You are a person of hope and love, you know, and get out there and be who you are in the world. Right. Um, okay. So my next question is, is about faith. You know, it's always such a complicated thing to talk about. Is it, is it a noun? Is it a verb? Um, I have a faith, I live in faith, I lose my faith, um, I found faith. Are you just quoting lyrics now? <laughs> yeah, well, it should be. Where's Marcus? <laughs> Work us into a song. I feel like it's like a um, sting song. Well, I, um, so Frederick Beekner is someone that I love too. Um, and he said, faith is the word that describes the direction our feet start moving when we find that we are loved. Mm. Isn't that good? Mm -hmm. I know. He also said, faith is stepping out into the unknown with nothing to guide us but a hand just beyond our grasp. What do you think faith is? I, mean, I think that's a, those are beautiful. And I love, um, you know, the scripture and the epistle that says, you know, that we grope for God only to discover God was never that far away. Oh, that, that that hand, that, that grasping, that groping mm -hmm. doesn't mean like, it's so far away. It's just there. Right. You know, and I want to be on a faith journey. You know, I mean, one of the questions I get all the time because of all the organizations or stuff I've started is, you know, where are you going to be in five years? What's your vision? And it's like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's what I love because that means it's still a faith journey is that I'm still open to whatever's coming. You know, I mean, I, I just don't want, I don't want to know what the next five years is. Oh, I love that. Just, yeah. Well, I kind of live that way. Like people <laughs> think, God, you must be so organized because you're, you got all these things happening. I'm like, oh no, I live at the fly of the seat of my pants. It's like, I'm just like, whatever God presents in front of me, I yes. go for it. Yeah. And I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, you said that faith must be willing to change. Mm -hmm. We must have the courage to let go of perspectives and images of God that no longer serve us. And I, I'm just looking because I am having a full circle moment with you right now. I feel like you're my origin and here we are coming around full circle a bit. And uh, I mean, my faith has just changed. I wanna hope that it's evolved or deepened over the last you know, 18 years since I was sitting on the front row of pew with Charlie. Um, and I just wonder, you know, how, how do you nurture your own faith and spiritual journey? You're nurturing everybody else's, including mine, but how do you nurture your own? Mm. Um, lately, my favorite, one of my favorite stories in the gospel is about the leper and 10 lepers are healed and one comes back <clears throat> sorry, one comes back and says, thanks. And um, Jesus equates that thankfulness as faith. He says, when he says thanks, he says, your faith has made you well. I never heard that before. No, I've, I'm hearing it for the first time. Say it again. <laughs> so 10 people are healed. Yeah. The one that's made well is the one that says thanks. So thank and Jesus says, your faith has made you well. He didn't say your gratitude, your anything. Your faith has made you well. And it was the first time I think I really thought about how it is that if I can get to gratitude, that is the beginning of my faith right now. 
If I can remember gratitude, I'm being faithful. My faith will make me well if I can say thank you. That was huge for me. Like, it's so not complicated. Like, I don't have to, you know, study 14 theologians. I have to say, what am I truly thankful for that I can return and give thanks for that will make me well? And I'll... I can do that. I can, I can always remember what I'm thankful for. And so that is the beginning every day of my faith journey. And it's not the same thing every day. Right. So I think, I think it's a pretty good place to start if anybody is um, still listening. <laughs> <laughs> of course people are listening to you. Are you kidding me? No, but I think it's fun to think like, okay, just what are you thankful for today? What are you thankful for today? There's a lot of other stuff, but start there, and that's the faith journey. Well, I know it's, it's so interesting because I'm, I'm in the thick of exams for oh, my so final sorry. semester. Thank you, God. Um, and, you know, when it, it, it's, you know, and I am reading all these theologians and, like, you know, citing everything, and it's just so crazy. Mm. But you know what? The faith part is it's so, God makes it so simple for us, you know? thankfulness, but love God, love me, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love mm-hmm. your neighbor, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is my, this is, this is the most beautiful part of the book for me. Okay. And I'm, I'm doing it in the middle, but I should probably, probably ended with it, but it's on hope. Okay. So my question to you is, do you believe God when God says or promises to us, my hope will not disappoint? Um, but I was really, I'm always asking people what their definition of hope and yours. I'm going to read it because it's perfect and beautiful. Um, you say hope is God's promise. I'm with you. I'm with you as you ponder in the night, your big and your small worries. I'm with you as you share your gifts and love with this community, even if you worry there's not enough. I'm with you through the times when you weep and when you laugh. I'm with you when you mourn and when it is once again time to dance. I'm with you until the time comes on the other shore where we embrace love forever. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I'm telling you, I'm with you. That's all we need, right? Mm-hmm. To, to have hope. If you really genuinely in your heart of hearts believe that God is with you, then you can have hope. You, know, you won't lose it if you, if you really genuinely believe God is with you. I think I, in some ways in my life, got out lucky in a weird way. Like, uh, my, mom, <clears throat> my mom was just about God is love. She always said that, God is love. Like, I didn't have, like, a judgmental, fearful God. I never had that experience. So, you know, if you've read the book, that even though um, my dad died early and I went through abuse in the church, and I know so many people, I mean, serious sexual abuse starting about the age of six that went on for three years by one of the elders. That was horrible. I never had that thing where God was the issue. You know how people are angry Mm -hmm. at God or there's this, there's this. And it's like, I didn't have that. I always knew that there were so many things that were beep up. (laughs) I told him I wanted to beep one time in your podcast. But there was always so many things that were messed up in our communities and how we don't protect kids and all those things. But I never really doubted that God was ever abandoned me or not. I wasn't with God. And I think for whatever reason... always. I think Denise Levertoff also, or maybe it's William Stafford, talks about the thread. And you just have to hold on to the thread. Yeah. So you never, you always felt like the thread was there through all the things. I never you've been even through. held on to it. I felt like I was. It was I holding was, you. I, or just, I was tethered. You were tethered. It wasn't like a thin, tiny thread that was going to dangle and break. It was a tethering. Like, God is with us. God is with me. I am with God. I am tethered to that. I never, I mean, like from a little kid, I'm, please tell me y'all hear this. This is, yes, like you're tethered to God. Yes. As much as I am tethered to my children or my husband, like I am tethered to whatever that essence of the divine is that is in me and in our creator is tethered. Like 
I am part of the divine spark of life. You are part of that. Mm -hmm. I guess sometimes we, we feel like we don't feel the, the tether, that we don't mm -hmm. feel like we're tethered or knotted in. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's, that's where we feel like we're walking on eggshells, that I'm, and I'm not feeling that tether. But the tether's always there. Well, I think it's like you don't think about breathing every time you take a breath. I don't think you have to think about it all the time either, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, you breathe. And the only times that you have a hard time breathing is when breathing becomes obstructed right. or there's a problem for some reason with the breath. Then you have to think about it and remember, there's got to breathe. And I think sometimes it's okay to not remember we're tethered, but or tied to the holy. But when we can, when we feel that we're not, and we feel panicked, we can't catch our breath. You just remember again. It's back to the memory. Yeah, it is. We're, it, this theme is like the remembering. But I love that, especially if you're going through a really hard time. And you do feel like you're in the valley, mm -hmm. you're in the darkness, you mm -hmm. haven't heard from, seen from, felt God presence near you is, is remembering regardless of the circumstances, you're always tethered. You're always tethered. And that doesn't mean it's not a lot of work because you just quoted, you know, yea, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, thou ride in thy staff, they come when they guide me. It's like you still have to walk. Right. It doesn't say I'll, you can just lay down in the valley and you'll be picked up and carried to the green pasture. It's like you get, you know, these clues, you'll have a staff. Right. But you got to make your way. You got to make your way. Hope with a little muscle. Hope for with sure. a little muscle. Yeah. Well, sometimes I'm a little braver than other times. You know, yeah. it's just like it's calling up the courage to be human yeah. with a little divine, practically divine. Practically right. Divine. Practically divine. Um, you also say... Um, and this is really beautiful too, but you say all is forgiven. And we may not get it, we may not get there, but all is forgiven. In the fullness of time, all is forgiven. And I just feel like, you know, especially with Tulu, you know, where she's walking this, this road, um, that knowing that at the end, whatever the end is of this material existence of us, because I believe the Spirit will... You know, God's got beautiful use for the Spirit. But um, that, that all will be resurrected, redeemed, and there will be this fullness of love. And that, to me, is hope. Mm. So we have to live in the present with hope, and that's just remembering. You're tethered. But then there's also an eternal hope, and that's what I feel like you're talking about when you say it's like all will be reconciled, all will be redeemed, all will be reconciled. Um, resurrected, all will be forgiven. Yes. I love it. Me too. Oh my gosh. I'm just telling you, this little piece of paper, I feel like I should take a picture of it and send it to everybody. I've, got, I've even got the page numbers. <laughs> this is hope right here on a piece of paper. Um, I just love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So, are there, someone just asked me this question, so now I'm asking it to you. Are there any absolute truths that both ground you and give you your wings that allow you in places of darkness and uncertainty, um, disappointment, uh, that, that, that ground you, I don't know, that, that you just know these are absolute truths, which we've just talked about one, the idea that you're tethered by God. But, um, and we kind of get to this a little bit. It's a segue into your mom's sayings, which I wish I'd known your mom because <laughs> she, she seems like she had like, a spark, like one of those really good, strong sparks. Mm. And clearly, you know, imprinted you with all the good things, mm -hmm. like how to be resilient, mm -hmm. how to pick yourself up, mm -hmm. how to get down and do the work, mm -hmm. um, but also how to be a hopeful person in the world. Like I, I, um, I mean, moving from the absolute truths, it kind of feels right saying some of your mom's sayings. So my top four, okay. so in the book, I'll just give you a premise. So she talks about her mom, who is, was this really remarkable person. She raised five children by herself after your dad passed away suddenly. And, um, you know, just was really hard. I mean, she, she was, I mean, I, I have six kids and the idea, dear God, please let David stay with me because <laughs> <laughs> to do what your mom did, 
took a lot of courage and to raise and they you were to who really you are. Little kids. They really were little, little kids. kids. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um, so she just seems like she was a larger than life presence. Yes. And so in the in the book, Becca kind of weaves throughout the book her mom's sayings that really kind of imprinted her heart. And so these are my four favorite. There's like 15, I think, but these are my top four. Okay. okay. Are you ready? God is love. Don't worry about the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to start just whipping that out all the time. Yep. God is love. Don't worry about the rest. Right. Okay. I love that one. Well, that's why I'm not such a great theologian when you ask questions about the absolute theology and absolute truths. It's like, I'm much more practical than that. Like, I'm, I'm really much better at how does faith look like practically in a day-to-day thing versus, you know, summarizing theology into absolute truths. I'm not so good on that. Yeah, I think I'm a little more practical, too. Yeah. Okay, keep but let's going. just don't tell Vanderbilt that right now. Oh, I'm not going to. <laughs> okay, who promised you fair? Oh, my God, that's my favorite. <sighs> yeah. I mean, we used to say fair. with all, all the kids, you know, you would get it, you would say like, that's not fair. And she would go, who promised you fair? It's, this whole thing is not fair. Right. <laughs> yeah. Know? But I think that, that that's like the day you wake up and realize like bad things happen to really beautiful, yes. great, amazing people. And I remember there's a woman at my church that I really love and she, um, her name is Gail Cherry and she lost she went to Virginia and she, for her mom's funeral, who she was very close to, and her sister died the day she arrived. So she buried her mom and her sister on the same day. The next day, her dog died. Mm. And then in one week, she lost her trinity, her mama, her sister, and her dog. She would go on to lose her son and her husband and then another dog, and she just, and, and I can remember her saying something to me about that, like, who promised you fair? And you got to get back up. Yeah. Like, this is, this is life. This is, this, this is the narrative that is my life, and I'm getting back up. And, and I'm still going for it. I'm still looking for the light, and I'm still looking for the love and the grace. Well, it's definitely true at Thistle Farms, you know, what the women that I get to walk alongside and serve have been through. It has never been fair for them. Ever. And so when they come into the community and it's like, well, she got this, it's not fair. And it's like, it's not fair, thank God. Like, you'll get what you need. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not the same for everybody. I mean, fair is prison. That's what fair looks like when everybody is, you know, same bunk, same room, same clothes, same everything. And that's hell. That's hell. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. We are dirt and angels. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one's good. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yep. She was all about that. Like when she knew when she said when she died, she'd be dirt and angel. And it was like, you are a dirt and angel. That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. But I think that, gosh, we need reminding of that. There was the idea that you're practically divine. Mm-hmm. So it just circles back around to that. What a brilliant title. God, you're so good. You're so good. You're the poet. I tell you. Okay. Love this one, being the mom of six kids. If it's not one thing, it's another. Yeah, she used to say it all the time. Like if it's not that one thing, it's another. Like when I went in here to talk to you today, we were talking the back thing. You were like, well, how are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm worried about this child. And then when this child's okay, it's going to be the other child. Like right. it's, if it's not one thing, it's another. But I, I, in a larger way, you know, I feel like for a while in there, everybody was like waiting for the pandemic to end and then all of a sudden life would start again. And I was a little bit like that. So the first, you know, like year of it, I'm like, well, it's, we're just waiting for it to end. It's like when I was on bed rest, it's going to happen. I'm going to have the baby yeah. and I'm going to get off bed rest and, and we're going to move on with our lives. And the rude awakening is, is if it's not the pandemic, it's going to be something else. Yeah. Right, and so we have to figure out how to live. If it's not in Delta, this. it's Omicron. <laughs> yes, Delta or Omicron. I mean, it's like crazy. It's almost actually it's it's comedic. Yeah. In some ways, I yeah. mean, sometimes it's like dark dark comedy, and other times it's light. But if you know, that's part of like what I need to tell myself. Like you, you got to get your stuff together now and in every moment because you. If it's not this, it's something else, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and 
it's not going to ever be just like the perfect rose petal path, right. nor do we want it to be the perfect rose petal path, right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I think for, I mean, for anybody that is present in living in this world, what I think is interesting is that I can worry at night so much more than in the day. I can worry at like 3 a.m. like nobody's business. I can go to sleep and then I wake up and I worry. And it goes, you know. Oh, yeah. Just, Five o'clock this morning, you know what I woke up worrying about? Oh, my gosh, and this is embarrassing. I have not had my, te my children's teeth clean, and it's been way. Pre-pandemic. You can just blame it on the pandemic. <laughs> that's, when you, you can, that's when you can use the pandemic. So I literally, driving down here to the chapel, I called the dentist because I was like, God is speaking to me. <laughs> I've got to get my children in to get their teeth cleaned. And I think it's like when you can get some humor around that worry like you are, or like I can be something at work, some conflict on staff, some thing with my kids, the stock market, not that I have stock, but I'm saying something. Mm -hmm. There's plenty to do. And if you can go, oh my gosh, tomorrow night, it's going to be a different record of worry. I just don't want to play it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just done playing this record. And I think it helps to remember there's always a record you can play of worry, of things going wrong. How, how do you make peace with worry? How do I make peace with worry? Mm -hmm. Because I think, you have three precious children well, who are all out in the world doing things. You have a husband that you adore, and you were given your soulmate. Um, for me, I have to exercise in the day. I have to get me energy too. out of my body. I have to not drink coffee. I have to just drink tea and be at peace. If I drink coffee, I can worry a lot more. Okay. Like that. Because right. my problem is not, not having energy. My problem is, not problem, my opportunity is to keep it focused and peaceful in that way. But so if I can do something creative, if I can exercise, and if I can just drink some tea, I'm going to be okay. Well, and I would add bath. Yeah, for, for me sure. and oils. Yes, and I would say nature. Yeah. So, so we haven't crossed paths at Radnor, but I pretty much am out in nature every single day. Yeah. Even if it's just for a little, little bit of grounding in the trees, yes. I try to get into nature to settle myself. That's what I was saying. Is like I think if you look at two or three of the organizations I started and people do interviews, they said, "Well, how did you? How did this start?" And you go, "Well, I was walking in the woods," mm -hmm. because that's oh, that resonates with me. So when and I say like to get a creative thought, it is walking. I know for you, it's running. For me, excuse me. Oh gosh, something just fell. Ooh. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> I, I, um, you are a poet. And so in your book, which I'm trying to find my little sheet, I went through and um, picked out a couple of, because I, too, love to write. You do. That's kind of a spiritual discipline for me. It's like a little bit of my joy is to be able to just sit down quietly and something, like you said, some, like when that one, you'll read a book and that one thought will come. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm like... That's the glory moment. Yes. And it's like, what are the muses that get us to that glory moment? And you say I run, but usually it takes me like a mile, and then all of a sudden I, I, it starts to click for me. That's awesome. You do it in the bathtub. Mm. Um, but, but I just wanted to read, um, because you sh this is another just like blessing from this book that you're going to get this poetry. I think you scatter them throughout the book. We get like six maybe of your of your poems. Maybe. Um, so I'm going to read one of them, and then you're going to have to go find the other ones. We are made in love, then take on flesh and bone. That grounds us like a broken wing on a hawk. Our voices raise and praise and petition for our transient green valley. We have a life from sweat blended with old earth. We are practically divine, almost and just enough. Hmm. It's the almost and just enough. So were you, like, when you came up with that, was that, like, in the woods? Was that in the bathtub? Like, totally naked in the tub. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> almost uh, naked. And just enough. Yeah, and so just to add to that visual, it is the tub has been my sacred space. It's an old 1940s tub. It is not, like, claw-footed beautiful. It's, like, old, like, just put in, like, Could I even fit narrow. in it? Yeah, my you, big self? Yeah. 
Yes, for sure. But it's like, you know, it's, it's like only that high. It doesn't have the beautiful legs. It's not deep. It's nothing fancy. And I created a board with a, um, a nailed a piece underneath it so it won't slide around. So it's steady on the tub. And then I duct taped it so it wouldn't warp with the water. And I just have my laptop on it. I was like, so it's like <laughs> this. How long do you stay in the bathroom? Oh, hours. Do you? Yes, yeah, like I like off? I empty it, fill it back up, have like my um, apothecary oils over here to add mm -hmm. to them. And every now and then I hear somebody like going, "Hey," and I'm like, "Mm." -mm. I don't. Marcus knows. He goes, "Don't bother her. She's working. She's working. She's creating. I love that." Okay, so we've just begun the season of Advent. Okay, we've just begun the season of Advent, which is, you know, a time in the Christian church where we, you know, we walk towards Christmas, we wait, we anticipate, we hope. Um, I'm just curious how the Christmas story is speaking to you right now. Like, is there something, you know, every year I feel like I, I open up the book and, and something else kind of, Mm -hmm. Hits me. It like mm -hmm. touches me. This for this year, yeah. I'm all about Mary, the Marys. Mm -hmm. I love the Marys. Um, I'm reading everything. Don't you I can... think sometimes though they didn't know what to call the women in the Bible and they just said call her Mary. Yeah, well that's just okay. Mary, Mary I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> but I um, so I kind of you know I've, I've gone on a, a big thing on Mary Magdalene. Yeah. And so this summer Charlie and I hiked up to the cave where she spent <sighs> maybe the rest of her life. Who knows after she left. Um, which was really beautiful and, and everything. But this particular Christmas, I don't know, I read this story, and, and you know, it all starts with the yes. Like Mary had to say yes, right? Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have started mm -hmm. if she hadn't said yes. But I just thought it was so interesting that we, we don't know any of her backstory. So we don't know all the paths that led up to that moment when she said yes, which to me feels like, that's kind of the relief or the gift. So we've all, all of us have, and I say this in church all the time, we all arrived to church from different paths this Sunday and, and different things that we're grieving and hoping and different experiences and different places where we've missed the mark and different places where we've loved really well. But God is with us in this present moment. Mm. And so it's like, it doesn't matter where we've come from. Everybody keeps talking about, oh, the pandemic, like it's this big old baggage that we're still carrying around. And, and we just don't know how Mary showed up that moment. We don't know what her baggage was. We don't know what the path was that led her to that sacred, holy moment. All we know is that she decided to say yes. Mm. And I just love that. Like it's just that, that God's with us in the present moment. That everything could change by just you saying yes, which kind of, goes back to everything we've been saying about the remembering. Yeah. Like you have to just choose to remember that you're hope. Yes. And you have to just choose to remember um, that there's grace, which you talk about throughout the book, the presence of grace. But is there anything speaking to you? I'll so I'm going to take it and I'm going to use it this Sunday. Go ahead. Give it to no, me. I'll give like it to it. <laughs> no, I'll take it. I'll take saying yes. That's a good place for the story. I love that. And I just want to say too that, you know, it's been a lot of years of doing this work and honing in on this idea that love heals and that we are saying yes to love and that that's where all healing begins, including this, the healing of the story of Jesus' birth. So I do think love means um, saying yes. I mean, although, you know, no, I'm not saying, saying yes to everything, but saying yes to the big thing, which is I surrender to you, love. And that's what Mary did. She surrendered in saying yes. Yeah, she just said, here I am. Mm, it's beautiful. I love it. Oh, I love it, too. I will say, too, you're, um, because I'm putting your candles, which you can't smell it, but it is, it is divine. Like, oh. the oils are divine for Thistle Farms. The candles are divine. I mean, lots of people that, that I love are getting candles from y'all. Yay! For Thank you. Yes, for Christmas. So Thank you. So you can check out my blog and see the links to it. But um, my mom, I was, you know, kind of just fretting one day. And she said, Farrell, just love what's right in front of you. And I thought, that, that feels like something I can do. Yes. And if you're feeling tangled, 
inside or outside or you're you know, feeling weary or tired, that you just love what's right in front of you because, as you say, love heals. And it does. And I don't think I made that up. <laughs> I think someone said that. I mean, I get a lot That's of That's a credit. bathtub music right there, Love Heals. I think well, all, it, all that Love Heals is, it, it was like a lot more words than that when I started out. Like I tried to explain it a lot. I think we try to explain things a lot. And I just realized I had to narrow it down so it would fit on a candle. <laughs> yeah, it's all we need to And hear. so it's like, how do you, what words can you take out and what has to stay? And over a long period of discernment and distilling and shaking it down, it was love heals, was what I was left with. But it came from a million places and a million sources. Love heals. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Um, I'm going to conclude, which I'm so sad, but she's like going to do like so many more interviews because you're like the rock star. Just today. Um, One but, day. So, you know, it's all about a rallying call for me. Mm -hmm. It's like, what will, what will get me up and help me put that one foot in front of the other? And, you know, after, you know, I had a setback yesterday after seeing Tulu, and then I see you and it's like, you know what? Love what's right in front of you. Love heals. Um, but you say... Practically divine means taking stock of where we are right now, accepting our present state for all of its beauty and its brokenness, and then taking one practical action to help make the next phase better. Yes, I did say that. Well, that's it. That's it. Like, I feel like we should bumper sticker that one. Yes. That, if, you're could, at, if you're wondering what you need to do in this moment. Maybe I need to hone it down a little bit so it fits on a bumper sticker. Um, maybe. We could probably edit it down a bit. Okay, and the other thing that I love that you said, and I don't know where, I didn't put a page number, but you said through all that you've been through, and you've been through a lot, I trust myself to persevere. Mm. And so I just, you know, I... I love that, but I also, it, it brings me back to this just idea of we have to remember who we are and who we belong to. And so we are hope and we are love and we have this amazing capacity to love and to be loved and that's why we're here and that's our purpose. But we also can trust ourselves to persevere. Yes. And the women yes. at Thistle Farms and Becca and me and you and everybody, we can everybody. trust ourselves to persevere. And that Anybody. for me is living in hope. Yes. And we need each other to remind each other that. We need to remind each other. That's all this is, is a reminder. Yeah. Well, you're my, you're my reminder. You're like my big beacon. I, I spoke oh. about you one time. I had to preach a sermon and I was like, yeah, Becca is like B for the beacon in front oh. of me. So you're way over there and I'm just kind of following behind no, you. No, not true. We're yeah, you are. Right you're like my big light other. of hope. And I'm just so grateful for you. And, and I'm going to send you um, an invitation <laughs> to my Vanderbilt Divinity School graduation. Awesome. Yeah, I'm the longest member in Is, the Vanderbilt Divinity School. Oh, I'm sure. I'm just so grateful to them for understanding that it's, it's taken me a while and to, to still believe in me and, and keep me in. That's right? beautiful. That's thank beautiful. you, Becca. Thank you. Thank you. Thank anybody, you. anybody wants to follow up on anything, DM me on any social media thing and I will get and back to you. And she'll respond. Totally. Yeah. I will, I promise. She will, she'll respond. And you can find me on the website at Thistle Farms too. My email's on there. Just if anybody needs to talk through some stuff or bring, so you have some ideas you want to share, whatever. Yeah, because that's who she is. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Love you.